Hey everyone, Dan Gavazdan here. Now, before we get into the show, I wanted to apologize about the audio quality in this episode. I had a bit of a microphone malfunction that I didn't notice until we were finished recording. The episode is still a fun listen, but it isn't up to our usual standards. We'll definitely have this sorted out by the next episode. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show anyway. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Marcinacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Thanks, everybody, for joining our 21st episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. Break out the alcohol, Mark. Yeah, this, this, this episode has become an adult. All right. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Can can we drink? I mean, Peter doesn't drink. So do we hold ourselves to the same ethical standards? Well, I think we already broke that promise on our 100th episode. That's Dan, true. We, so. did, we did drink. When you turn 100, you're allowed to drink. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But but for 21, you know, because, you know, these episodes are going backwards, you realize. We went from 100 to 21. Yes. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So in this uh, drinking age ready episode of Amazing Spider Talk, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 21 by Dan Slott, Christos Gage and Giuseppe Camacoli. Uh, then we'll respond to your comments and emails, uh, have a few voicemails. We got a little bit of spider news and um, uh, some swarms be title reviews, sort of, with some announcements attached to it. All right. Very exciting, Mark. I guess let's go back in time of a sort because all these amazing Spider-Man issues seem to be flashbacks to discuss Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 21. <laughs> It's not that easy being green, having to spend each day the color of the leaves, when I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that. It's not that easy being green time to talk about this issue i've been recapping them recently so this time i'm throwing it at you walk me uh, through what happens in this issue um all right well you know as as, as briefly as possible because there actually isn't a ton of plot to 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 go over here but um 
we 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 kind of catch up. You know, after our last episode, we were talking about where did Kane come from. Well, this episode answers that. Um, we find out that that Kane has been reborn again via the the web of life and our our favorite people, the Master Weavers, and you know all that mystical crystal stuff from Spider Verse. Um, however. The other is uh, no longer a part of his uh, genetic makeup or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he he's dying, Dan. He's degenerating because he's got the whole clone degeneration thing that was part of Kane's backstory, uh, you know, from the 90s when, when Howard Mackey and Terry Cavanaugh were working on him. Go listen to that episode uh, for more on that. Um, and um, so we, we basically get... An, ep- uh, an issue of Kane trying to get to the bottom of uh, what exactly is going on with New You and the the spread of the carry-on virus uh, and how on these other worlds that he's been exploring, uh, New You and Parker Industries have been teaming up. And, and because of this team up, the carry-on virus is inadvertently spreading throughout, starting uh, zombie apocalypses on all these um, alternate Earths. Um, we also uh, get a little bit of, of background on how Kane and Spider-Gwen from Earth-65 cross paths, uh, which then more or less brings us to uh, where things ended in Clone Conspiracy number 2 with uh, Gwen captured in the back of a trunk, which is still just the weirdest thing in the world for me. And um, don't, don't forget to mention that they discover like how all this carrying stuff like Works out with Peter and Miles Warren uh, in their well, lab. Well, you you brought it up, so why don't you say it then? Well, yeah. So, so they like break. They go to another universe, and they Peter and Gwen, and and they discover Peter and Miles Warren in a lab, as we suspected, teamed up, and the carrion virus breaks out, and then Kane has to fight another Kane for some reason that I'm not well, I, really I, aware of. I, I, I believe I summarized that. I I, yeah, I, I, I didn't so. go into blow by blow detail, all but right, you know, all right, all right. I you know, like, come on, this is a synopsis. It's not a it's not a, a, a page by page summary here, right. Dan. Go by the issue, and you'll know exactly what happened. As I say yes, Parker Parker Industries and New You, you know, team up, and that is what perpetuates the spread of the carry on virus on these alternate universes, and so now. The, the, the goal for Kane and Spider-Gwen is to stop it from happening on uh, Earth-616, uh, if that's what it's even still called in the post-Secret Wars universe. Um, and, and that's kind of where we, where we leave things off. Um, Mark, can I ask so, you a question following up on our last discussion? Sure. Our last discussion, we kind of both expressed that like this whole multiverse stuff was really not what we wanted out of this story. But I think That's with, true. I think with this chapter we've kind of put the nail in the coffin of that. It, it seems as though moving forward we'll only be in the Earth Prime or whatever uh, and not dealing with all these other destroyed multiverse, universe, whatevers. Uh, does, that, does that excite you again for the main series that perhaps we won't be dealing with this garbage anymore? Um... I don't know because you also can't really officially rule it out just based on some of the plot beats in this issue. But I mean, I don't know. I I I I think that maybe the 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 
the well has been poisoned a little bit here just because, you know, this was certainly not a, 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 a hook that I was expecting to see in this story. I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of thought we were getting clones part three and it just turned out to be this mishmash of all these other like greatest hits albums that Dan Slott has been trying to put together over the course of his run. Um, and, and I think there's some tonal discord with, with those ideas. So, I mean, do does it excite me again? Not necessarily. I mean, am I like going to sit there and also harbor resentment for this story for even going there? No, but it's just, it just, to me, like it's kind of a red flag to be much more discerning and cynical about this story because it, it just seems that the, the, you know, a more pro- appropriate flow of it is we're not going to get that, you know, we're not going to yeah. get a more appropriate flow for this story. So it's like, okay, fine. So maybe you course corrected here, but what, uh, what are we going to get next? You know, like if we start revisiting spider Island and we start revisiting ends of the earth and we start revisiting big time, I mean, like, you know, this has to be more than just Dan slot spiking his own football over and over again. Are we going to get the future door showing up? Yeah, yeah, you know, like he loves to pay all that stuff off, so um, wouldn't be shocked. Um, but Dan, I mean, to to the larger point, um, also with with the way this storyline is being structured, I mean, I think we talked about it a bit when we talked about Amazing Spider-Man number twenty, how you know we, they were kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul in terms of putting the main forward narrative in the Clone Conspiracy series, and then doing these like flashbacks that don't necessarily, you know, based on the amount of plot they're giving us, don't necessarily uh, need or require their own issues to, to give it to us. But, I mean, structurally, I, I, this the series is at least consistent right now with how they're kind of going back and forth and back and forth. But consistency aside, does it work for you? I mean, it, it's hard to, like, build momentum and, and really feel the kind of, like, forward thrust of this story when we're spending so much time reading about, you know, what happened before. And I think that was a large complaint of ours in, in clone conspiracy number two, is it was just kind of like rehashing previous events. And when you've got two other issues so far that are also rehashing previous events, it's really kind of stalled out the launch of this series. And maybe we'll ramp up and we'll get to some serious forward momentum, but I mean, even just reading this, I, I, I dread having a scene where Kane and, and Spider-Gwen tell Peter about this story that we just read. I mean, I, I, it's just so much hemming and hawing. Yeah, I, I appreciate the consistency, but, like, I wonder if there was a more natural way to fit this in so it felt like we were just moving forward uh, with all of this stuff. I mean, it's not fun to read a story when you know the outcome and the story itself isn't that shocking. Like you and I basically guessed every plot beat of this story last episode and then just read this story, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's definitely problematic. And, and, you know, I mean, talking about red flags when it comes to these comics, I mean, you know, say what you will about Dan Slott and, you know, the kind of work he's done over the years. But, you know, one thing that, 
he really has never been as predictable. I mean, you know, maybe sometimes to a fault, maybe sometimes he should have done what was predictable. Um, you know, swerved us for the sake of swerving. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Dan, we, 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 you know, and this is not me puffing my chest out, but you know, we, we, we kind of speculated over what this issue was going to be beat for beat. And that's what we got. And that's just kind of like, you know, not to be glib, but what am I spending my three ninety nine for? If I can just tell you what I know is going to come in the next issue. I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's really, it's it's not even that though. It's like it wasn't even ta- it didn't take any grand speculation on our part. Like I think it's all there in right. the context of the previous story. Yeah, well, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, speculation is probably not the right word. It's we read the text and this was what we gleaned from the text, and then that was affirmed, reaffirmed in this issue. Yeah, there was. There's a version of this story where this was three panels of the next issue of the clone conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, and I think it probably, I mean, I, I didn't hate this tale. It was fine. You know, like I think half the issue is just wrote. It's here's, here's the problem is half the issue is joyless exposition. Uh, there's no fun being had with it. There's no character like development. It's just like updating getting raw updating on how to get from A to B. Uh, and there's, like, I'll give it, there's one or two nice character moments between, like, Gwen and Kane where you feel some warmth to their friendship. But, like, do I want to read an issue about Karn and Kane talking to each other and, 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 and high-fiving that they both have K names? Right. Or that, you know, wait, no, I'm not trying to eat you anymore. Didn't you read the last 40 issues of, of Marvel comics to know that, you know, like, cause here's what happened in them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, you talk about the warmth between Kane and, and, and Gwen, but you know, at the same token, um, you, you can mention character moments and not having any, but I also, not to be mean, I don't feel that, that slot and you know by proxy gauge particularly get who these characters are in this story i mean it's 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 you know they're taking they're taking characters that were better fleshed out you know fleshed out in better ways by other creators and kind of slotifying them to fit this story but you know so you know certain interactions might have some resonance in the context of this story. But when you look at it from the bigger picture of who these people are, I don't know what really makes sense here. I, you know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot I of mean, name dropping, like harassly yeah. and things like that that make you go, Oh, at least they know what happened, but it doesn't read like Kane. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like Kane, Kane was even less, less problematic to me than, than Gwen. I mean, Kane, Kane has problems. I'm not saying that, but, but Gwen, especially, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm reading this version of spider Gwen and I'm like, you know, saying to myself, did, did the people writing this even open an issue of Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez series? Cause this character has nothing to do with that character. And she even says, face it, tiger, you need help. 
Why is she saying Mary Jane's catchphrase? I don't know, because she's the drummer in the band that played that song. I, I, I you know, I'm, 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 I'm no prizing it here, Dan. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll buy that, Mark. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, no, but that's that. It's, it's the, 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 she doesn't speak like that character. I mean, like, I, I especially found it like cringeworthy when it was like <clears throat> when she was like prancing around in the in the seventy seventies era Gwen outfit, being like. You know, this isn't my style, but it's kind of groovy, except for these heels. And it's just like, well, that's where they tried it? to put in like the the modern day Gwen with the like, oh, these heels are just you know the patriarchy, you know. Yeah, but like, okay. Yeah, it just it, it it fell flat to me because it was like I don't, you know, this it really could just be anybody saying these words. I mean, that's the thing is these are just words on a page coming out of a character's mouth, they have nothing to actually do with the character. And I, and that sounds kind of damning, but if I, I have issues, you know, going back to your original question about the universe hopping and everything. I mean, like to me, I will just say outright. I, I, I think spider Gwen's involvement in this story ruins it for me not because i dislike spider gwen i like spider gwen quite a lot that's the thing it's like you know uh, it, there's nothing more 90s than the fact that spider gwen was kind of like shoehorned into this story because i feel like she's really got nothing to do with this um you know it's not like she has yes i know gwen stacy is has always been a player in in the various clone stories but like I don't know. Spider Gwen is is her own thing right now, and like probably should just be left alone. I I, I don't quite get. Yeah. You know, outside of the fact, like, oh well, she's popular and the kids like her. Let's put her in there. I mean, we're already dealing with like tie-ins with Silk. It's like, no, granted, Silk isn't in this book at least, but you know, now her book is a clone conspiracy tie-in, and it's like. Why does everything have to get sucked into this? Like it's it's you know Are we building to a maximum carnage here. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, with that villain spread from the previous issue, we're like we are approaching the same level of who is that as maximum yeah. carnage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So I mean that's I, I I don't know I mean do you do you, do you feel as strongly as I do about Gwen's involvement here? I, no, I, I mean just... I agree. She has never been involved in the clone world, so like why bring in an, you know an outsider? Like keep it keep it small and focused and on everybody who is typically involved in the clone world. Yeah, I mean Kane, I get Miles Warren. Um, you know, but yeah, Even this Dr. is Doctor Octopus because Ultimate Doctor Octopus was behind the Clone Saga in that universe, right? And 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 Doc Ock was killed by Kane during the original Clone Saga yeah. too. So there's there, there, there's there's linkage, there's lineage there. Yeah. Um, but um, I yeah, it just it just seems very, like I said, '90s to me. Like like, <laughs> you know. Hey, let's make a super team with Ghost Rider, Punisher, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. Why would we do that? Because it would sell, damn it. <laughs> I mean, this Real- is one of the most 90s issues I've ever read. It's like Carrion, Clones, the New Warriors. 
and yeah, I forgot all about that. I forgot that they redid that series a few years ago. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I like the kind of weird lip service they give to it. It's like, Oh, remember they were in spider verse kind of (laughs) remember when they, this was around for like seven issues in 2013. These people aren't dead. Yeah. Yeah, like what what did happen to Erasley and all them? I I I don't remember. Uh they they all died of something called cancellation. Okay. Yeah. It's quite it's quite the disease. Yeah. <laughs> Never to be heard from again. Uh you know, it's hard to talk about this issue because I feel like we've kind of already talked about it last episode because there's really not that much new to discuss here. Well, yeah, but we should mention um the, the horrible degenerative disease that Kane is going through right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, uh, I, I, Common Coley, you know, he really, he, by the end of the issue, Kane looks awful. I mean, he's got this really ragged beard and his skin looks like it's falling apart. But my favorite unintentionally hilarious moment in this is when he says to Gwen, you don't want to look like me. And he pulls his mask off and he just looks totally normal. Yeah, what like a pale, pale shade of green. Yeah, I mean, it's like super pale. Like, yeah. I would never have noticed it unless it had been pointed out to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't think I laughed the way you did, but I definitely like did like a triple take of what? What am I? What am I looking? What? What is this? What's going on? But alas! Oh my goodness! What? What, um, did, what did you think of uh, of the actual battle with Kane versus Kane? I mean, it was fun. I, I, I mean, but you know, again, like, I don't know what's what's Monster Kane doing in that scenario because wouldn't Monster Kane be, you know, he wasn't really at Warren Miles Warren's side during the original Clone Saga. He kind of broke off to hunt Ben Riley down. So it just, you know, cool visual, but not necessarily a sensible one, right? Yeah, I just want to know what he's doing there. Like, yeah, he doesn't like, to, by his measure, he doesn't like Peter Parker or Miles Warren. Why would no. he be hanging around? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know he was hanging around as what, Tarantula in Spider Island, but yeah. again, that was, he was under control, right? Yeah, Wasn't that yeah, the... Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, now, now here's something... And, you know, I don't mean to be dense here, but, like, I did find it odd that in all of these different timelines, basically, like, the same thing kept happening regarding New You and Parker Industries. I mean, isn't that kind of, like, part of the allure of the multiverse is that, you know, these are all different timelines and different events happen in different sequences which therefore is, therefore therefore makes things dramatically different from each other i mean what aren't we under the like i i i mean like what is this like like a bunch of different worlds where where the same exact thing played out the same exact way i mean that's like again it's it's okay. i mean you can no prize it or whatever but it's also just what's the joy in that like like it's just it's just it's just plot it's plot device that's well, all it could, is you could you could solve that by giving us something fun like i would love to see a carrion version of leo pardon yeah why not go for it yeah 
Um, well, no, but 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 seriously, like like isn't that the whole point of them? I mean, like you know, and then at one point where it's like, Kane says to Gwen, "Oh, aren't you worried about your world?" She's like, "Oh, don't worry, Peter Parker's dead on my world, so this can't possibly happen this way." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like like doesn't that's not what the multiverse is. <laughs> <laughs> well, my bigger issue is here's Karn. The minute that Kane bursts out of his other body, which was at the end of Spider Verse, which was you know, what, 25 issues ago? And this guy has just been sitting on this knowledge. Like, you know what? Let's not tell Peter Parker about this because it'll create drama or whatever. Like, Why doesn't anybody tell Peter Parker anything in this comic? Like, Like, I love it. And we talked about this last episode, but like, when, when Kane and Gwen are like, maybe we should tell Peter about this. Nah, let's figure it out ourselves first. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> what are you, this, that is like, you're not even trying. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> like, come on. Seriously. Like, I shouldn't even be having to have this conversation in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, but 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 it cuts to the core of this is that there's no character-based drama or conflict in this. It's all manufactured conflict, like based on nothing. Like this whole thing could be solved by just shooting Peter a text that says, "Hey, new you is bad stuff. Don't get mixed up with them." And then right. you'd be like, "Why?" And then you send him a picture of a bunch of carrion zombies. This is why, you know, like what? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, you know, beyond the point that I, I, I still don't understand. I mean, we're the part of the premise of the storyline that that Peter is going to quote unquote, you know, get into bed with New You, like I don't know, is taking a major leap of faith about who this character is too, because I don't know, like regardless of Peter's guilt. And I know that Dan slot loves to play up Peter's guilt and that makes him do stupid things. But like, you know, seeing all these dead people and stuff, like I just don't see him as someone to be like, yeah, this is normal. We should do work with these people. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. Like it just, it's that I, I still haven't been sold on that element, which is probably the key element of the whole story, which is like, why is there conflict in the first place? Like, I'm just like, you know, they're, they're, they're serving it up on a silver platter for me. And I'm just going, nah, that wouldn't happen. But I mean, like the whole thing could be avoided by just not having Kane and spider Gwen in this. Like if it played out like spider Island where Peter suddenly discovered, you know, like Jerry, right. His former, you know, employee whose body he found floating in that tank, you know, in that really creepy visual you know, he goes, what's going on here? And he opens a door in New You or whatever and discovers a bunch of carrion monsters, just like he discovered people were turning into giant spiders. You know, then you've got, like, drama that plays out in the moment. But you've got these two characters that know everything and are really going to be the proactive ones and are still just for no reason refusing to tell Peter about it. It's like, why include it then? Why even... You know, just for the sake of, you know, closing up a couple loopholes. Because I want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just. It's like. I mean, but it, I mean, not to mention that, like, 
the idea of the mass population turning into monsters, we've done that before. Yeah. Haven't we? Which we yeah. We've said that last time too. Yeah. I mean, it's, we did that in Spider Island. We did that in the lizard story. We'll probably do it again. <laughs> um, besides the the cane not easy being green, which really isn't Camo's fault. That's a colorist issue. But uh, what did yeah. you think of Camo's work here? I thought it was fine. Um, you know, I actually thought the first few pages in that flashback where we saw the events of Spider Island, uh, or not Spider Island, Spider Verse rather. I thought. I thought those were really like beautiful to look at, uh, you know, at least the coloring and the kind of faded, muted colors. And I think I kind of realized that I think Kamo works best when he's like lightly inked. He's not. He's got more colors to fill in his thin pencils because like mm. the rest of the issue is a lot of like deep, rich blacks. And I find like his stuff becomes really flat. The space becomes really compressed. Um, but those colors in the beginning, I was like, this is how his work should be complemented. I don't know. Did yeah. you feel the same way or am I? No, I think it's a, I think that's a good analysis. I mean, I always think back to, you know, some of my favorite work that Camo did, um, both during like Goblin Nation, but also like, I, I always think back to that, that spread with, um, during Superior with Mary Jane kind of walking, you know, strutting down the street yeah. and stuff. And it was kind of, kind of like a light, airy, it wasn't an overdone, um, it wasn't overdone in terms of, you know, pencils and inks and everything like that. And I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's where he thrives. That's where there's some life to it. When, when, when he gets, you know, heavily inked, it, it yeah, it just kind of becomes flat and that's when you get like aunt may who you know looking like a carry-on monster in that one <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> kane should have taken his mask off and looked like aunt may <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> look what you've done i look like my aunt <laughs> <laughs> like then i would be like damn somebody get this guy a doctor oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i mean so it was fine i liked his interpretation of 90s kane i thought that was kind of fun and um yeah, I mean, I, I, and it was nice to see Kane kind of slowly fall apart issue by issue. Although that that beard caught me off guard; it came out of nowhere. I wish I could grow a beard that fast. Yeah, well, that's like um, didn't didn't Peter rock the beard in uh, Spider Man Wolverine, Astonishing Spider Man Wolverine? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so it's a good I, look for him. Yeah, I you know it's pretty. It's impressive. I impressive beard. <laughs> I can't grow a beard, Dan. I, it just comes in like like scraggly and peach fuzzy on me. So I'm lucky that I can because being bald, I've got to kind of like have hair somewhere, you know. So right, you understood. Gotta, you got to level your balance. You got to ride the balance. <laughs> well, we could always just turn you upside down and make your chin your head. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've played with that before. It didn't work right. out. What's your grade, Dan? I'm giving this one a C minus, just like last week. Yeah, I'm doing the same here. C minus. Right. I guess I, I guess I should stay state it clearly so as not to confuse. C minus. C minus. All right, let's C talk minus. about <laughs> let's talk about your comments and emails, shall we? We should. Okay.
So uh, you, as as you know, because you're the guy who runs the show here, uh, you can always email us at amazingspidertalk at gmail dot com or tweet at us on the Twitter by hashtagging OK to print. Um, leaving us comments on our iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play accounts, uh, and of course, leaving us voicemails at Nine Red Goblin, which is what we got this week. We got three of them, Dan. Yeah, we uh, we asked for people's theories about the Man in Red, uh, and we've got a bunch of them, and they are wild. All right. Well, this first one's from Kyle, so let's hear what Kyle's got to say. Hey guys, it's Kyle Kreiss. I love all the theories about who the man in red is. My one problem with the Norman Osborn theory is, weren't there teasers uh, in the first arc of Volume 4 that actually showed Norman Osborn trying to make this, 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 like, African warlords? He was bandaged in the face, wearing the green and purple motif. At the same time that the man in red was recruiting the lizard and the rhino, so could it be one and the same, or were they teasing another Norman story down the line? Maybe when Zodiac saw A Year into the Future, was there any teases there? I can't remember if we saw that scene. Keep it up, and I'll talk to you soon. It's a good point about Norman there, Dan. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I am going to rescind my Norman. You want to know why? Well, because he just—they refer to him as Miles in this epi- in this issue. They they do, and uh, a uh, an eagle-eyed listener to this show sent me a some leaked artwork, which I will include in the podcast here that I had not seen um, of an issue from August of next year. They already have the cover painted of Norman Osborn with a machine gun. Uh, firing at Peter Parker, and it says, like, the end of Parker Industries. And uh, it's like the image looks like the Spectacular Spider-Man magazine cover. Yeah. Um, just with Norman without a mask and a machine gun. Uh, sounds sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it's an Alex Ross cover. so like Yeah, it probably, it probably looks great. Uh, I should rephrase that. It probably looks great, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, we'll, Kinda... we'll see. It sounds like the African warlord thing. All right. Well, so I'm good rescind- job. I'm rescinding Norman Osborn and saying, Ron, friends, that was a really nice visual motif, but you really threw me off. God damn it, Ron, friends. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he'd appreciate that. We'll have to send Joey the elbow after him. There we go. So, Kyle, thanks for that. I think you're right. It is not Norman Osborn. And consider me 100% wrong. In, unless I end up being right, which I don't think I will now. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be like some people who put, like, you know, 98% odds on certain things <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of importance. <laughs> um. Well, I think this is a far more important thing uh, than, than the thing you're alluding to. The consequences are far more dire. Okay, mysterious voicemail. That's that's what this is being listed as. I'm I'm, I'm reading the notes, people. So let's see what's so mysterious. I don't so know who this one is from. That's why. All right. All right. Well, let's hear it. Hey guys, I have an idea who the man in red might be. 
We know that he is young. We know that he has a thing for clones and the ability to uh, continue that work. And we know that uh, that he wants to do good. So my suggestion is is that the original Miles Warren, after making a clone of Gwen Stacy, uh, well, she has a history of uh, making babies with uh, Spider-Man villains. So the red, the man in red is the child of Miles Warren in a Gwen Stacy clone, and he's trying to clean up his father's image. And the only reason why he has a Gwen Stacy clone hanging around him is because it reminds him of his mom. It might be, right? It's as good a guess as any. Keep up the good work, guys. Love the podcast. It is as good a guess as any. I would say, I mean, I I I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Sins past. The we're gonna touch all the third rails here. Oh boy. Yeah, that No, but it's not uh, well, you know, outside of you know, the fact that it's Gwen siring more child children of with villains, it's not I don't think it's all, totally off the wall. It's certainly it's certainly in terms of where things are lately in the world of Spider Man. Like you said, good as guess as any. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's listen to our final voicemail from Elliot. Yeah, he's back. Elliot's friend hasn't hooked me up with those annual issues yet, though. No? I'm a little, I'm a little despondent about that. You know, sometimes you might have to actually earn the annuals yourself, Mark. Well, I I was going to earn it by spending money on them, but, you know, I, I you know... He was like, "Hey, what issues are you missing?" I'm like, "Well, I have the, I have all the issues. <laughs> Let's be clear here." Oh, oh, well, that's why he's not responding because but, he's on but, my side. But you know, to to put some certain people at ease, mainly Dan and Zeke, because um, Zeke is as bad as you are in terms of harassing <laughs> me about it, mind you. Um, yeah, I I I I mentioned to Elliot's friend. Who who apparently is a is a deals in comics. I'm like, oh well, you know, if you came across the annuals that I'm missing that are actually count, like annual one and annual three, which are really at this point the only ones that aren't reprints that I don't own. Um, you gotta own just, the reprints. You gotta own the reprints. Yeah, because you know I really need to own that Hulk story from 119 and 120 again and spend. <laughs> 40 bucks on it. Um, but um, haven't heard anything back. So, Elliot, we're playing your voicemail, but talk to your friend. Get me my annual so this guy can shut up, okay? This is the longest guilt trip uh, ever. Let's listen to this thing. Hey, Amazing Spider Talk. It's Elliot, the Clone Saga apologist again, uh, with some continuity reminders. So there was talk in the most uh, recent Clone Conspiracy number one episode that Miles Warren is smart enough to never, uh, or to understand that they'd never have a relationship with Gwen Stacy. Uh, but in the Clone Saga, the 90s Clone Saga, he did have a relationship with Gwen Stacy, or at least the Miles Warren clone, Warren Miles, had a relationship with Gwen Stacy. Uh, the, uh, sorry, not Gwen Stacy, but the Gwen Stacy clone. So a clone of Gwen Stacy and a clone of Miles Warren um, uh, were in a relationship for a long period of time in the 90s. Uh, so I guess it is possible. Also, um, a continuity error, I, I, I think, with that retcon of Gwen Stacy realizing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man 
uh, at the end of Clone Conspiracy Number One in the '90s Clone Saga, there is a moment where the Gwen clone, the main Gwen clone, uh, discovers that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and she flips her lid, basically the same way she does at the end of uh, Clone Conspiracy Number One, saying, "You're the man who killed my father," and then getting really upset about it. Um, so, uh, I, 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 that that's definitely a contradiction. And lastly, uh, just a, a note. Um, Sins past, where Norman uh, Osborne has a relationship with Gwen Stacy. Uh, obviously, I'm not a big fan of that story. I don't think any or most people are fans of that story. Uh, but I don't like the idea of somebody just ignoring continuity. I mean, that's what many writers are guilty of with the 90s Clone Saga. Uh, it's a big story, and I think another writer can take that content and either at least touch on it or turn it into something better. Uh, and I think it would be a good reason if Norman Osborn is the man in red for him to hide his face, uh, if he has purposes for Gwen, uh, to hide that he was the person who was intimate with her in the past. Anyway, uh, obviously writers don't need to be, to be slaves to continuity, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, so keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. So long. So we got like two people bringing up Sins Past in the span of one episode, Dan. Is that a record? <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be. So, so do we need to do Sins Past for an essential? I think we're going to have to talk about it at some point. Uh, right. Well, let's take about this one, one thing at a time. Uh, Warren Miles, I had totally forgotten about the existence of this character. Yeah, well, that's, you know, and this is coming from someone who has reread the Clone Saga a few times recently and spent what, about an hour and a half on the phone with two of its writers? But, yeah, I, I missed that one. Yeah, so good deep dive there. Um, the second one about that uh, inconsistency, another thing I didn't remember, but that makes a lot of sense. But I think the way to no-pride your way out of that is that these clones in this version retain their memories to the moment of their death, whereas the ones in the original Clone Saga he had to like inject memories into them, uh, so it's it's not the same thing, even though it seems very similar. Is that yeah, right? No, but no, you're right, and that's to me. You would totally win a no prize for that. Okay, <laughs> I don't think I have to win a no prize. I think that's like actually what the basis of the stories are. Yeah. Um, and then about sins past and and people building on it. What do you think about that, Mark? Like, do you think? You know, it's it's fine for people to ignore this continuity because it's so despised. Well, it's it's not even that. Mm. Well, here's the thing. For one, I think this is all moot anyway because I don't think the man in red is Norman Osborn. Yeah. So, so I guess that's the thing. It's like. When would you even build on Sin's past unless you would have some kind of interaction with Norman Osborn and Gwen? And and when would you ha- have that outside of like a clone story and, and where it's not the same thing anyway? You know what yeah. I mean? Like like so. But what, what um, do you what do you think about it in general? Like, do you think it's okay for like a universally reviled story to be forgotten? And kind of written out of continuity, or do you think it's better for people to kind of build on what was there, even if it's hated? Well, no. I mean, I think we've in over history have seen plenty of reviled stories get built upon. I mean, one more day, the, the Clone Saga itself at its time was at one point was considered untouchable yeah. in a bad way. Um, I think I think the issue with Sin's past is, you know, kind of. 
in in the sphere of where things were are are and at the time i mean there's there's nothing there's nothing to build on from it i mean you know they 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 tried to do something with gabriel gabriel and um the other stacy twin i forget uh, the name too yeah not gwen uh, <laughs> looks like gwen but not gwen and but then that got pushed aside um you know then they kind of tried to play with gabriel again in american son but i don't know I, I i i just don't know what there's to build upon there i mean yeah i don't think you can completely just because you don't like how a story was received as a as a editor or a creator i don't think that you can completely um wash it from existence when a, when it would be appropriate to reference it, but like when, when's it appropriate? I mean, yeah, if it turns out that Norman Osborn's the man in red and he's operating with the real Gwen Stacy, you know, who's been revived through new you and they don't touch upon that, then that's a, I, that could be a missed opportunity. It's just weird. It's like, you know, then, then did since past happen or no? Um, I'm but. still caught up in that line from, you know, uh, the first clone conspiracy issue where he says, like, I don't want a relationship with you. I want, like, a partnership with you. And to me, that seemed like a very Norman Osborn thing to say, but maybe it's a reformed Miles Warren. I guess the, I, let's, let's, let's address this now. Are we done speculating about who the man in red is? I'm done speculating until I'm given reason to speculate again. Yeah, because it seems so clearly that it's just Miles Warren in a face mask. Like, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I, I still wish that if there truly is no there there, I truly wish, I really do wish that we would just see his face. But, you know, I think we might be overreading that. Maybe we're not seeing his face as for far more benign reasons or maybe not benign reasons, but there's a mystery to it, but not the mystery we think is there. Yeah, that's fair. And then like, there's like, the whole, there's the whole half the internet that thinks it's Peter Parker or Ben Riley under there. And, and I mean, that's valid too, I guess, but yeah, I just don't have the energy to invest in guessing in this stuff because they're not throwing us anything worth chewing on. No, I mean, the only thing that they threw us was the aforementioned Ron Friends panel, you know, you know, the, the, how we played with those two panels in the first clones conspiracy. Um, that was to me the only tangible clue that there might have been something there because there hasn't been anything else. Not, no, nothing. Yeah. I mean, we got more during the 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 goblin mason banks thing um yeah <laughs> i mean maybe it's there and we're just not seeing it but it certainly doesn't seem to be that way right well anyway elliot thank you for your thoughts uh and thanks as always for calling in uh we don't have a ton of spider news dan but there is one item we want to get to so why don't we cue the music for that Just like guys, look out! Here comes the Spider-Man!
All right, Mark, spider news. You wanted to talk about this, so I'm going to let you broach this this subject. Oh, boy. I don't know that God. I want to touch this one, but go for it. It's not You're the kind of thing me... we typically talk about. Well, no, I, I don't. Okay. For for one, I don't think this is that scandalous. So um, I don't know if, you know, who of our listeners are out on Twitter a lot, but, um, you know, I, I'll have to say that earlier today, we're recording this on, um, what's it, Thursday the 17th? Mm-hmm. Um, I went on to Twitter and I was like, oh, I haven't seen anything from Dan Slot in a while. And, you know, I knew we were going to be talking about this issue, to, you know, issue 21 tonight. So I was like, oh, let me see what he's saying on Twitter about it. And I went to go search on Dan Slot. And, you know, first I thought it was weird that his profile didn't come up. And, and Dan, I got to be honest with you, when I did that, the first thing I thought was, did he block me? Yeah, like, I thought I ever, the same thing. Like, after all these years, did I finally get blocked <laughs> for not, you know, even though I've never antagonized him or anything. But, like, people have always joked me, like, oh, when is he going to block you? Um, and then um, I did oh, some more searching and a couple of sites were reporting on it that Dan Slot quit Twitter, which is kind of, like, amazing to me because, you know, you got to keep in mind that Dan Slott, I mean, you know, for better or for worse, Dan Slott kind of has like emblemized that idea of creator access on social media for, for years now. I mean, you know, he, 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 it became famous when, you know, during Amazing Spider-Man 700, I mean, he received death threats on Twitter. I mean, that was where this whole, like, you know, Dan Slott will block you if you harass something came from and again i've never harassed him i do want to be clear about that um i just say negative things about his comics on our website and on our podcast but that's called criticism (laughs) um not how you do it mark yeah exactly i'm I'm snarky i guess i don't know um (laughs) but i don't know like to me i i'm i'm quite shocked by it because i mean you know i guess my attitude is and i know that you know, Dan Slott talks about more than just comics on Twitter. He talks about um, movies and politics and stuff. And certainly in the in the latter in politics, there's been some very intense things going on the last few weeks. And maybe that is what was the 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 breaking point. But, you know, as someone who's kind of stuck it out in the face of all this and and has kind of you know, embrace this personality of this combative personality on social media to see him quit. I, I'm I'm very surprised by it. I mean, does it come as any surprise to you? Uh, a little bit. I'm mostly just kind of like, I think my response when you first told me about this was good for him, you know, <laughs> like, because he just like, like what he's saying or not, it just seems like he's constantly, you know, caught up in, arguing with people on that platform, whether it's bleeding cool and, and whether I agree with him or not, but like, I mean, I, I, I dream of leaving social media, although my career is mostly run on social media, you know, I, I don't think it'll hurt Dan Slott's career to leave social media. Uh, he's pretty established at this point. Like I just kind of want it. I want to tell him like, Hey man, you're free now. Like, Free up that part of your mind, you know. Jeannie, you're uh, free. What? 
genie, you're free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to grant our third wish. Uh, no, but um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. But, I, I mean, I would see him on there all the time, and I, and I would interact with them, and I enjoyed interacting with them on there. But I, I, I just don't know how much good it does, you know, to be so forward-facing. But I mean, it's his, I mean, it's his right. That's why I don't really like talking about this. Is because I feel like, like, I'm being his nanny. Like he should be able to do whatever the hell he wants and express whatever opinion he wants, regardless of how I feel about it. But yeah, well, yeah. well, but 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 putting that aside, I mean, putting the controversial stuff aside, I mean, like I I, you know, back when he was a little more responsive to me, um, you know, I I I found. Dan to be a resource on Twitter. I mean, like if I was, you know, I could pepper him with a question about something that he either worked on or I, that I knew he knew about and he would occasionally get back to me. Um, and, and like I said, like, I mean, in addition to the negative stuff, I mean, he did kind of emblemize this idea of, of creator accessibility on social media. And, and, you know, you, you do got to wonder, I mean, you know, you joke about it, and I've joked about it too. That you know, like, oh man, if I could just give up social media, but my 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 career kind of depends on it in a lot of ways. But like, you know, if if you know, when when Twitter started becoming big, you know, seven eight years ago, you know, all these celebrities and you know, in terms of comic book world, these creators, you know, it was kind of like breaking down these these barriers between them and fans. And and whether it always netted positive results or not, it, it didn't seem to matter. It was like, yeah, but it's there and you should probably be doing it. If someone like Dan Slott can just delete, delete his account and, and walk away from it, I mean, do others follow suit that and, and, and you know, I don't know, like to me that would then, then what does then what does social media become if if more and more of these people just kind of get fed up with the negativity and, and walk away because, you know, it, it does kind of create a cesspool for those of us who are still trying to make something useful out of this platform. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes even further beyond someone like Dan Sly. I think Twitter has a problem in general in terms of, you know, uh, harassment and, and, and ugly language, you know, um, and Twitter is not alone, you know, fa- although Facebook has a certain barrier that you actually have to friend someone to really interact with them in most cases. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, blo- you and I blocked someone a couple of weeks ago, uh, and, uh, we've experienced some ugliness. Uh, I mean, not to the level of Dan Slot. I don't know. I mean, I expect he'll be back in a couple of weeks. You know, uh, I, I don't. I, I for a guy who used it as frequently as he did, I just can't imagine someone going cold turkey. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I, I just wanted to congratulate him and say, like, hey, you freed up that part of your brain. Go work on your comics and don't worry about what people like you or I say about them. You know, like right. Yeah, just go be be yourself and ignore ignore us, you know. Uh, and and Lord knows his taskmasters at Marvel have made made it clear, like that that there are times that they prefer you not be tweeting. 
Yeah, who was it? Tom Brevoort that was just like, yeah. stop tweeting less, or something? He's like, less tweety, more writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But yeah, I, know, I mean, it's interesting to, to look at it from that historical kind of perspective of in terms of access. It kind of became the new stand soapbox. You know, you could really follow these guys and find out what they thought. Yeah. Well. You know, again, I'm not trying to invade his privacy. And, you know, now certainly if he ever does come back, I'll definitely get blocked for bringing this up. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, I all the same, like, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I enjoyed a lot of what Dan Slott did on Twitter. And, and even the stuff that I didn't enjoy, I, I would get a laugh out of it. Even, you know, <laughs> whether I'd be <laughs> laughing at him or with him, it's just, I think it depended, but you know what I mean? Like I, I, I was entertained by it and, and I never engaged in the ugly, I wouldn't engage with the ugliness with anyone on social media. So it's like, you know, I guess I'm just a little disappointed that, that, you know, it took probably somebody else to ruin it for everyone else, you know, like that's all. And I just, I, I would hate to see others start kind of following his lead and, and, and leaving us with just each other to harass on Twitter. I wish I could take the kind of complacent attitude that you did. I would get into the middle of the fights between him and Rich Johnson uh, to the point that they were tweeting at me and including me in them. Yeah, uh, okay. Because I was like, can't you see that you're both coming at this a little hot? <laughs> like, why don't we cool down? And the voice of reason was, uh, was uh, I don't know if it was appreciated or not, but it was certainly included, so... I don't know. I wish everybody could just kind of tone it down like 20 degrees, you know, uh, so we could all enjoy these platforms. But there we we go. So speaking of platforms, Dan, why don't we talk about our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club? Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to our podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, Mark and I's weekly passionate look into the world of Spider-Man. For those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon page called the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. It's through your support that we keep the show continuing, and the club is our way of giving you even more awesome content alongside our podcast and fan site. If you decide to become a member of the club, you'll gain access to weekly free digital comics and get all kinds of awesome goodies in the mail, including t-shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, rare Spider-Man comics, and much, much more. On today's show, we have one new member to the club that we'd like to thank. That member is Nick Harrison. So thanks again, Nick, for helping to keep our show going. Remember that we're running a competition to all of our members to win a hardcover copy of The Death of Gene DeWolf, signed by none other than Peter David himself. So be sure to sign up for our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk members club on the front page of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com to be considered to win. Thanks again for all our continuing patrons, and now back to the show. Skeleton. A reanimated Nazi skeleton. Reviewing me titles. 
titles while he's covered in bees. Who do need titles while he's covered in bees? Actually, he's permanently covered in bees. Actually, he's permanently covered in bees. He's coming for this podcast. He's coming for you. He's coming for this podcast. He's coming for you. It's time for Swarms Bee Title Reviews. It's time for Swarms Bee Title Reviews. Your old friend, Swarm. You thought you got rid of me last week, didn't you? Well, I mean, you were tweeting at us about it, so I, I certainly couldn't, couldn't ignore it. Uh, uh, I saw that you got a Twitter account yourself. Yes, I tweet, I tweet. I go, drain the hive, hashtag. I have a hive mind to, to tweet with, with all you other peons. Uh, but I hear that uh, you don't want to use me as much going forward. What is this nonsense? I don't know anything about this. Well, uh, where did you hear about this from? Did Mark say something about this? Mark, is this your idea? Yeah, yeah, let me explain. Sorry, Swarm, and, and, and don't sting me. But, um, yeah, Dan and I, um, uh, well, no, well, Dan, Dan, I have been thinking of uh, some maybe new potential formats for Swarm's B-Tile reviews, you know, as I opened up my subscription box from my local comic book shop the other day and got like another six B books in it. Uh, it's getting a little overwhelming. And I think like some of the more important B books that are coming out or just the, 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 the more buzzworthy ones, sorry, swarm don't, don't hurt me for that, uh, are kind of getting lost in the shuffle. So, um, going forward, what we're going to do is, you know, when there when there are new B books launching, like Renew Your Vows, for example, um, we'll we'll talk about the new number one issue, and then you know, in addition to that, uh, Dan and I are going to uh, champion a book of the week, so to speak. We'll we'll each pick our own book um, that we we feel needs to be talked about for for reasons good and bad. I think I I you know I don't want to make it sound like we're only going to be echo chambering and talking about good things if we think that. You know, a book is really slipping after being good or, you know, that, you know, a book really needs a new creative team or whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that, too. But I, I think we it, just to keep things more focused, wouldn't you say, Dan? I think it's just kind of move us away from the kind of slavish format that we had been in. And like a lot of these books were saying the same things week in and week out. And, and now we can actually kind of have a little more depth if we want to on, on a particular title. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... When we started this segment, you know, we with Flash, we uh, we thought it would be like a B book or two, and now that Spider Man is half of Marvel's line, it's just a lot to keep up with all the time. And we're still going to read everything, but I think we're going to give you more value in terms of really talking about the books that we want you to read and giving you better reasons to read them. Does that does that sound right? That is change I can believe in. <laughs> and now you're adopting nearly everybody's mantras here. What is the difference between a hockey mom and a beehive? I, I don't know, Swarm. The beehive will sting you, stupid. <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, uh, Mark, I, you know, last episode you you weren't on. We talked. I talked to Kane about. Renew your vows, number one, and we both kind of gushed on it. So I, I, I thought perhaps we take this time to kind of feel, see how you feel about that book. What, what did you think about Renew Your Vows, number one? Yeah, I mean, am I am I on the clock? No, no, <laughs> say, say whatever you want. 
Right, right. I mean, but but still, for the sake of brevity, um, I I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, a, I I was also kind of waiting for like another gear to kick in on that story. I mean, it was a very quiet opening issue, which I think was by design, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but you know, the, certainly the intimacy of the characters. I mean, it's it, there, there was a lot of love for these characters in that comic, both in the, in the dialogue and then how they were illustrated, um, which given what we know about the creators makes sense to me. But, um, but like that, that gear that was missing, does that, did that ring familiar to you, Dan? I mean, am I, am I, it was like, I just kept kind of waiting for the, the punch at Chewy, you know, like, and it, and it, it never went into that next gear. Yeah, I mean, I think the normie Osborne stuff is certainly tantalizing. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was like Mole Man is not really – he did not, like, move me. Like, I, there was – like the, the hook of the issue was, like, not enough to really, you know, keep me super excited. I mean, I, I, I yes, I'm worried about Annie's well, well-to-do, and I loved it enough to, you know, be excited to keep reading, but – yeah, I'm waiting for there to be, you know, because it's not, like, canon necessarily, like, I'm waiting for there to be that, like, high-level idea that really makes me go, oh, I get what this story is really going to be tackling, other than just the adventures of the Spider family, which would be enough for me, but I think to put it up in that, like, rarefied territory, I need to know, like, what it's actually going to be about. Like, Spider-Gwen is an alternate story, but it's about, like, toxic masculinity and police, you know, brutality and uh, kind of, like, young hipster culture. Like, I know where that sits. I'm, I'm waiting to see, like, what, where this one, like, what, what makes it unique. Yeah, I mean, and I think the fact that both Jerry Conway and Ryan Segman are, are so talented that even without that hook, I was still in, I was still intrigued by this comic but um but you know maybe you put some other creators on it like i mean you know we talked about it last episode like that the the new prowler series which was i felt missing a hook too but it, it didn't have the strength of its creative team to kind of push it through anyway you know um yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, it, 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 to me, that just, it does bear watching. I mean, I also, I mean, not to be cynical, but, you know, we, we had talked about, um, months before this series came out, you know, with this kind of like overshadow the main spider books. And, and, you know, part of me wonders if it was kind of meant to be very, neutral and toned down so as not to do that i don't know i mean is that yeah i mean it's because i mean certainly like when when it was its own miniseries it 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 did feel a little more in your face i mean you know you had peter killing venom in that story to protect his family and stuff like that like there were like real stakes attached and so far we don't know what those stakes are outside of you know everyone is kind of becoming familiar and with their powers and someone can make a mistake, but, but, you know, like that, that kind of is, is cribbing what we saw a decade earlier with 
Tom DeFalco's Spider Girl. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, which was, uh, which is enjoyable. So it's not, you know, this is not meant as like, a, uh, you know, a dismissal of the series, but it is interesting to me. So, I mean, I would, I, you know, in, 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 it, for our old format, I would still call this buzzworthy. Uh, but, um, you know, like I, 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 I wanted to love it more than I did. So. Yeah, I'm waiting for there to be like kind of like the high level thematic, um, uh, I guess, conflict for the family. Um, uh, like in, in the original one, it was that nobody could show their powers and they have a daughter whose powers are starting to develop, you know? So that's the kind of conflict. Like, if it's just a team of superhero family that goes out and, you know, fights monsters, that'll be fine. But, like, I feel like there needs to be some pushback. I'm hoping that it's the normie Osborne thing that is that, even if that is kind of like an idea we saw play out in Spider-Girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, good stuff. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bear watching that. And, obviously, as the series comes along, I'm sure one of us will, will want to talk about it during this segment. So, um but now we don't have to do it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's the end of the show. Uh, Mark, you ready to go home with this thing? Yeah, let's take it home, buddy. All right. Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. Yeah, additionally, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. Dan, next week, uh, we're going to be taking uh, the week off for so we can uh, hang out with our families and stuff, hopefully have some benign, apolitical conversations around the turkey table, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I've been seeing that. that that's a storyline that's been showing up in a lot of a lot of media is, oh, what to do about Thanksgiving dinner table talk. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't want to have to think about that. Why do they put these elections so close to Thanksgiving? I don't know, Dan. I don't know. Um, but um, so... If people are desperate to hear from us in that interlude, uh, where could they find you on the Internet? Yeah, they can find me uh, on Twitter at, at Dan Gavosnin or at Sup Spider Talk, which is our Spider-Man-oriented one, and all of my writing on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. How about you, Mark? Yeah, well, uh, you can find me, of course, at ChasingASMblog on Twitter. And, and, and Dan, you know, this, this thing that's been basically wrecking my life for the last three months and i don't, I don't it's not been wrecking my life it's been consuming my time it's, it's getting near to an end so maybe uh come early december you might start seeing my writing again on superiorspattertalk.com i should talk to you about that offline <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of uh throwing it at you here blow but, the uh, dust off your keyboard and, and jump yeah, right back yeah. in well we, you might see some stuff showing up again folks so uh be on the lookout very exciting very exciting you know mark i didn't want to say this but you know I'm looking at you through Skype right now, and you're just not looking that great. Have you Ooh. have you been to the doctor recently? I mean, don't get me wrong. Your face, it looks just ever so green. Like, 
if you really look at it, you could see the slightest tint of green. I mean, not like green enough that you could pull your mask off and frighten someone with how sick you look, but just green enough that if someone pointed it out to me and I really looked at it, I might see some hints of green. Anyway, have you been to a doctor recently, Mark? That's what I'm trying to say. Um, well, yeah, you know, I, I, um, you know, there's this doctor I like to see. He wears like this long blue trench coat and like one of those like, um, submariner helmets over his head. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's call him Dr. K. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wish his name was Dr. G cause then we get like high five over having the same, you know, name together. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I haven't been really feeling great lately, Dan, ever since I kind of emerged from my spider cocoon. Oh. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I have these powers. You might not know. Is this because you're clone Mark again? Uh, wait. Oh, no. Who's that in L.A. with you, Dan? <laughs> it's the other, other... With great podcasts comes Amazing Spire Talk. That's all I got. I can't do this anymore. Don't, don't miss the next installment. Don't, 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 don't,